Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We continue. We've been, this is actually our ninth week in a series. We're going to be going through this probably through uh, most of the summer, maybe t- through August or first part of August. We've been in a series on the book of Acts, and really the theme of our series is in the book of Acts, it's really about the apostles and the early church and how God had given them a mission, how Christ had given them a mission, and they're fulfilling the mission. And, and the kind of the title that we've given the book of Acts for us today is, is serving Christ together, because that's what really it was all about, it was that this early church started to serve Christ. In fact, I want us to say that together. Will you all say this, serving Christ together, will you all say that with me? And if, if you're uncomfortable, you don't have to, but if you will, just say it with me, serving Christ together. That's what the body of Christ is all about. It's, it's really a, a group of believers that were so passionate about what Jesus had done that they are serving him together. And they're having a powerful impact on the nations. The mission that Jesus gave us was to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were to, what Christ had done in us, we were to exemplify to others and show them that Christ can do the same in them. Today we're going to dive into uh, the book of Acts, and we're going to go into chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles or an instrument that you have your Bibles on, like your phone or iPad, I encourage you to go to chapter 9. Leave it open there because you can refer back to it as I'm preaching. But this is really the testimony of Saul's conversion. And this is where it's recorded in Acts chapter 9. It's actually recorded in a couple other places. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I believe that Saul's testimony is one that can bring great encouragement into our lives. His conversion is a great example how God's supernatural power can transform someone's life. Anyone here ever experienced a supernatural transformation of the power of Christ in your life before? Come on, yeah. So if you haven't, that's okay, but there's a supernatural power that can transform our lives. And, And just for, as we get started in, this message today, a point of clarification for us is regarding um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, there's two names in the Bible regarding the Apostle Paul. Uh, he is f- known formally as Saul of Tarsus. Uh, so Saul of Tarsus and the Apostle Paul are one and the same. They're not different people. And it can be a little confusing when you start to first dive into God's Word, but basically Scripture refers to the Apostle Paul as Saul of Tarsus Prior to his conversion, basically, is where it's at. The name Saul was the Apostle Paul's Jewish name, and Paul would have been his Greek or Latin name. As a Pharisee working amongst the Jewish people, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. But then later on, after his conversion, as he goes out into the Gentiles, the non-Jews, as he starts to converse with them and share the gospel, all of a sudden they use his Latin name, his Greek name, uh, the, uh, which is Paul. So earlier you hear Saul of Tarsus, later on in the book of Acts, you'll start seeing there's a transformation where all of a sudden we start seeing that uh, he is referred to as the Apostle Paul. So it wasn't that God changed his name, but because God's mission, or because Paul's mission was more directed to the Gentiles, he is now referred to uh, by his Greek or Latin name, Paul. Saul's conversion was one of great importance. It's referred to uh, no less than three times in the book of Acts. It's referred to here in Acts chapter 9, and then it's referred to also in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26. The, the later two, the, the latter two of his, the 
of his conversion, of his testimony, is Paul actually sharing his testimony. He first shares his testimony to a group of religious people who absolutely hate him, and he starts to share his encounter with Jesus Christ. He doesn't shy back, he just starts to share it. In the second time in chapter 26 when he shares it, he actually is sharing it in front of King Agrippa himself and the, and the religious council that were, about, that were trying to judge him for, for his sins or for his wrongs or whatever else. And he starts to share about the power of Jesus Christ in his life. I love the Apostle Paul. He was all about Jesus. He, and we're going to talk about this transformation, this amazing transformation that he had. So let's read about Saul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 9, and we're going to read through verse 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now remember, this is when uh, Saul is Saul of Tarsus. He's a persecutor of the church. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in any of the arrests of, of the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to, to Jerusalem in chains. Not a very nice person. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what, to, what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. Yeah, I've been one of them. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led uh, him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. <coughs> Let's pray. So, Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is powerful and it is effective. And I pray once again, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your word um, to our lives. That your word will touch something inside of us in a different way. That it will bring about truth in our lives um, that we haven't maybe seen before. And that, Lord, ultimately, that uh, this is not a waste of time. But as we leave today... Uh, we will have been touched by your spirit and by your word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thought I want to share regarding Saul's conversion is that we all need to be delivered from spiritual blindness. That's the first thought. Saul was spiritually blind to what God was doing. He was fighting against God. Instead of going after God, instead of surrendering his life to God, he was fighting against God. And Jesus interrupts Saul's life, he interrupts Saul's plans, of inflicting greater devastation upon his followers by having a personal encounter with him on this road that's leading to Damascus. Jesus shows up in the form of this bright light from heaven. And it literally, as, as Saul is walking, this we don't know what it was, if it was light, whatever it was, but this bright light from heaven shows up and it blinds Saul in such a way that he drops to the ground. And then Saul heard that voice, Saul, Saul. Saul replies, you know, Saul, Saul, and he says, why are you persecuting Saul says, he still confuses, who are you, Lord? <laughs> I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Talk about getting someone's attention. <laughs> that would grab a hold of you. When Saul heard the name that it was Jesus, I 
can't imagine if you've been against Christ, if you've been against this, this, this following called the way, if your, whole, if your whole life has been about persecuting, it says in the scripture it's about binding them up in chains and, and dragging them to prison. That's what your life, that's what your focus has been. And all of a sudden you are interrupted, uh, supernaturally interrupted and says, why are you persecuting me? It must have shook Saul to the very core of his being. You had to just shake him to the core of his beating. Can you imagine the waking that Saul had when he's supernaturally detained by the very person he's persecuting? And Saul's encounter reminds me of this one uh, simple truth. I want you to catch this. We all need to have a personal encounter with Jesus. Saul had a personal encounter with Christ. And each and every one of us need to have that personal encounter with Jesus. We need, we need to have that genuine brokenness that takes place when all of a sudden we, we encounter the truth of who God is. All of a sudden there's a brokenness that should come into our lives because all of a sudden we recognize that we are sinful people, that we are spiritually blind, and all of a sudden now we are seeing the truth. When Saul all of a sudden heard, why are you persecuting you? You know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting you? Recognize that it's, it's, it's the very person, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world that he didn't realize who it was, he was against. All of a sudden it dramatically reverses immediately. And in our lives... Without a personal encounter with Christ, you will never experience that. You'll never experience that, that, that broken heart. Says, David writes in his Psalms that God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. In the church today, we just kind of gloss over this whole idea of repentance. But man, I will tell you, repentance is the way to Christ. Amen. It's what turns us away from sin and points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to have that pre- re- repentance heart so that we can surrender our lives to God. I've shared this many times before in our church, but I share it again. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents. You can't ride on the coattails of your grandparents, of your friends, of a co-worker. You can't ride on a, the coattails of someone if you think you're going to make it to heaven on someone else's coattails. The only way that you're going to make it to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He makes it abundantly clear that he is the only way. He is the only door, he is the only gate, he is the only way that you're going to ever enter into heaven. And if you think there is another way, there's not. It is only through, if you believe the word of God, there is no other way into heaven except through Jesus Christ. Salvation does not come through Peter or Paul or Mary. It does not come through them. It comes through Jesus. By the way, that's a good group, Peter, Paul, and Mary. But it doesn't come through them. It comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus refers to himself in John 10, 9. I am the gate. I am the gate. Those who come through in through me will be saved. Peter declares about Jesus in Acts 4, 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven which we must be saved. There's only through Jesus Christ. Why is that so important to understand? I want to remind you who, uh, who Saul was. Saul was a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. He was a, see, sometimes we think that Saul was just this bad person. No, he was a very religious person. He went to the synagogues. He thought he was doing right. He thought he was following after God. He thought all these things. And you think about that thought. 
thought, if Saul was thinking that he was doing right, how deceived he was. He thought by persecuting this group called the way that he was actually defending God. Yet Saul was spiritually blind to what God was doing. He was spiritually lost to the truth. And it's just a reminder for all of us that we have to be set free from spiritual blindness in our own life. We can't just do what we feel is right. We have to do what we know in our spirit as far as in the truth of who God is, what it is right through what God's word shares with us. We have to match. See, if we go by our feelings, they will lead us down a very dark road. Especially if we're not following after Christ. Now, if you're following after Christ, most likely your feelings are following that way as well. And you, you can, I mean, but you should trust. Okay, let me share this. Don't just listen to Pastor Tom speaking. You, you get, dig into the word yourself and make sure that I am speaking the truth. Because you know what? You never want to be strayed away from the truth of God's word. God's word is, is basically the thing that balances our life and gives us truth in our life. And we don't lead by our lives by what we feel. We lead by our lives by what God says is right. Do I have an amen there? Okay. Thank you. Saul thought was he was doing what was right. He thought he was. But yet he was spiritually lost to the truth. We have to be set free from spiritual blindness in our, li- in our lives. Thought, Saul thought religion was going to save him. He thought obeying the law was going to make him righteous. He thought he could earn his own righteousness through his own merits or through his own actions. He thought he was a good person. Your testimony might not be that of Saul's. You might not have the same testimony that Saul has. But we all have some form of spiritual blindness that we need to be set free from. It's the first step to coming to Jesus. It's being set free from the spiritual blindness. Jesus sets us free from that. For example, the blindness of the rich young ruler. When he comes to Jesus, how do I enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gives him all these things. And he recognizes there's spiritual blindness in this rich young ruler. And what was the spiritual blind? It was his riches. It was his possessions. They had hold of his life in such a way that he was spiritually blind, that those were the things that he was following. And there was nothing that was going to set him free except Jesus. And he turned away. The blindness of Judas, who betrayed Jesus, I believe it was his pride. He felt like he knew, be- he knew better than Jesus. He felt like he knew better than God. And it was his pride that was spiritually blinding him that he was walking with Jesus Christ, the Savior, for three and a half years and didn't recognize it. Blindness. The blindness of the one thief who was on the cross, not the one who, who surrendered his life to Christ, but the other one. What was his blindness? Lack of faith. He basically just didn't even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. What blindness do we need to be set free from? What blindness do you need to be set free from? That is the first step of salvation. Let's also consider this truth. And this is an important truth to grab a hold of for your life. Saul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Saul. Remember, Jesus interrupted Saul on the side of the road as he's going to Damascus. And as we read about Saul's testimony, we discover that Jesus had prepared for Saul to encounter everything that he needed to be able to change his life to follow Jesus. First, he brings in this man named Ananias. In fact, basically, Jesus comes to Ananias in a vision and says, Hey, Ananias, I need you to get up. I need you to go and find this man named Saul of Tarsus. 
He's blind right now, and I need you to go lay your hands on Saul of Tarsus, and I need you to pray for him. And when you pray, that blindness is going to be set free from him. He's going to be able to see, physically see once again. And also what's going to happen is that he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it says it in Scripture. And when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, not only is he set free from physical blindness, but he's set free from spiritual blindness. Saul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose Saul. Jesus states to Ananias in verse 15, because Ananias gets his vision from Jesus. He says, I don't want to go. Do you know who you're talking about, God? You're talking about Saul of Tarsus. That man is an evil man. And listen to verse 15 of Acts chapter 9. It says, go, and he's speaking to Ananias. For Saul, catch this. This is a persecutor of the church. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. I, I, I got to go somewhere here. It just hit me. That word instrument, it's really better translated vessel. And when you think about a vessel, we are all vessels. And, and, and Ananias is about ready to go and pray over Saul and when he prays over Saul he heals him of spiritual blindness and the scripture says he fills him with the spirit see a vessel filled with God's spirit man is life changing it is powerful it is effective it can it can break down walls not Saul but the spirit of God that's within him he filled him with his spirit go for Saul's my chosen vessel to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel leads me to my next thought about Saul's testimony and that is this you are chosen many times we think that we are the ones doing choosing the Bible makes it very very clear that no we are chosen by God listen to Ephesians 1 4 he says even before and this is the Apostle Paul even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes it's the spirit of Christ that enlightens us and brings us towards him it's the holy spirit working in our life that convicts you of wrong and shows you what is right we might not have had the same dramatic experience as saul had when he's on his road to damascus but i'm confident if you're sitting here today or if you're watching us online here today you have had an experience of christ pulling on your heart you have had an experience of driving down the road and thinking man there must be something more to life you've had this experience where you think man you know what it seems like everything i'm doing is 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 not productive it seems like everything i'm doing is a waste of time it seems like everything i'm doing doesn't bring me to something that is greater and all of a sudden there's this pull in your heart and i believe it is the spirit of christ drawing you to him so that you know what he has already chosen you if you have felt that in your life you're chosen if you have felt man if you have felt like God has been tugging on you you're chosen answer the call people I'm here to affirm to you today you're chosen Jesus desires a relationship with you he desires a change in your life the change for which we have been created to be Many people ignore the calling of God in their life. They become stubborn. They choose not to listen to the voice of God. We see it all the time. And not that we're to, to ever judge that. But I'm just saying it's accurate. Jesus said narrow is the way into heaven. Very few will make that choice. But I'm telling you here today, Jesus is choosing you. 
I'm encouraging you today to step out in faith and choose Jesus for yourself after he has already chosen you. It's basically you're choosing to follow him. Why is it so important to realize that we're chosen by God? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Think about it this way. If you're a parent here today, or soon to be a parent, we've got a lot of kids coming into the church recently. We're going to grow children's ministry, yes. Some of you guys are slacking behind. Get, Get busy, come on. If you're a parent here today, you chose to have your child. You either chose to have your child through procreation or you chose to have your child through adoption. One of the two. You, but you chose. Why did you choose to have your child? You chose to have your child because you wanted to have relationship. You wanted to kind of expand the borders of the love that you have. You wanted to, to have a child so that you can love that child. And you wanted to receive love back from that child. And there's something that amazing happens as a parent when all of a sudden you reveal to, their, to your child. And I see it in the eyes of children that don't have this. I'm just being honest. But when all of a sudden you reveal to your child that they are chosen, that they are loved, it changes their world. My dad loves me. My mom loves me. My mom has chosen me. My dad has chosen me. Out of all the kids in the world, they have chosen me. And I'm here to declare to you today that God has chosen you. Before the creation, before the very beginning of time, he has set you apart and said, I have chosen you to be one of my children. Now grab a hold of that and think of how a small child, all of a sudden, their eyes open up that that's my mom and dad. And they love me and they have chosen me. Now think of that spiritually for you. When all of a sudden that you recognize that Jesus has chosen you, it opens up the light and you say, that is my heavenly father. That's my Abba father. He is my daddy and I love him because he has chosen me and he loves me. And what happens is chains start to fall and you start to be set free because you recognize you're chosen by God. It's a, it's a powerful miracle that takes place. It's the miracle that takes place in Saul of Tarsus. All of a sudden, he's recognizing that he is chosen and that he is loved by Christ. Knowing that you are chosen by God will change you. It changed Paul or Saul. It completely reversed his course of action. He went from hating people to loving people. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Boy, I can't imagine anyone else greater than, these, than Saul to be able to declare that verse. Become a new person. The old life is gone. Woo, the new life has begun. Think about Saul's old life, persecutor of the church, and now his new life where he's an evangelist for Jesus Christ. And then listen to the following verse that Paul writes. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, catch us, of reconciling people to him. And this brings me to the, another thought of Saul's testimony. Not only are we chosen, but you have been given a purpose. Paul recognized the purpose for which he was called. He was called to reconcile people to God through, G, through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15 again in Acts chapter 9. The Lord states uh, that Saul is my chosen instrument to take the, my message to the Gentiles, to kings, and basically paraphrasing, to, to, to the people of Israel. What was the message? The message is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
It's to proclaim how Jesus died for our sins and how he's been resurrected by the very power of God. And that his resurrection, Christ's resurrection, proves his deity. But it also validates that the sacrifice that Christ did for you and for me, guess what? It validates that it is sufficient, that it is complete, that it is whole. Because otherwise, God would have never raised him from the dead if the sacrifice wasn't complete. But the sacrifice was whole and made, and made complete for each and every one of us. It's the message of reconciliation. Meaning that that relationship that was broken between God and man because of sin has now been restored through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Saul was given the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus. And I want to remind all of us here today, we've been all given that same mission to share the good news of Jesus. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession. And you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called to be the light of the world, to shine light unto people. We are called to declare his goodness. That's our purpose. If you haven't, wondered, if you haven't discovered what the purpose is that God has created you to be, it's to be a reflection of his love. Amen. It's to be a reflection of his goodness. Is to be a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's all those things that we're modeling for other people. We are a reflection of who God is. That's what we're called to do. And let me share this truth. That is so powerful. And it needs to be a reminder for some of us. Because sometimes we write people off. And everybody has to come to repentance. So I'm not saying that. But man, can I remind you? That there is no one outside the reach of God. There is no one outside the reach of God's love. If Saul of Tarsus can be chosen by God, then guess what? Everyone can be chosen by God. God desires that all people will be saved. Saul wasted no time when he came to the good news of Jesus, sharing the good news. Man, in verse 20 of chapter 9, it says, And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. So get the transformation. Ten verses earlier, he's wanting to drag people out of houses and put them into chains. Ten verses later, man, guys, he's in the synagogue. Jesus truly is the Son of God. He is our Savior. Transformation taking place. Man, I encourage you to read the entire chapter because I just, I'm just highlighting a lot of this and I want you to grab a hold of all of it. But Saul's testimony became powerful among the people. It started changing lives. Not who Saul, Paul is, but who God, Christ is in him. Again, the religious rulers that we read as we continue to read through the book of Acts, the religious rulers become jealous of the testimony. They become jealous about Jesus and his power and they plotted to kill Saul. But Saul escapes uh, the whole thing when he's in Damascus, they basically lower him down in a basket and he, and he takes off to Jerusalem. But this is what takes place, which is really crazy. Now grab a hold of this thought, because we're going into our next thought that I want to share with you before we leave today. Here is Saul, who was loved by the religious people. He was the Pharisee of a Pharisee, man. He was, he was a, now he's hated by these people, and they're trying, they're plotting how to kill him, because all of a sudden he's been converted to following after Jesus Christ. Now he goes into Jerusalem, and the scripture says that the believers in Jerusalem are basically, uh, they don't trust Saul. 
They don't believe that this is true. They don't believe that this is real. Because now you got to understand, if you're a believer and you know that this guy is persecuting the Christians, that he's putting them in a jail, and now all of a sudden he comes to Jerusalem and he's preaching that Christ is Lord and Savior? Who is this guy? Wait a minute here. He was just killed. He was at the execution of Stephen. Are you kidding me? Are you you're going to give this guy a pass? You're going to say it's okay? And then all of a sudden Saul finds himself in no man land. Hated by the ones that he was really at one time a part of. And then not received by the ones that he's really after now following after Christ. He's in this zone of no man land. Have you ever been there? Where you're trying to do what is right, but it just seems like you're getting slapped in the face. From those that you're trying to serve, or and from those that you know that you're trying to you, you're leaving from behind, they're hating you. They think, what is wrong with that person? Why don't they go out to the bars with me anymore? And I mean, it's just a few drinks, and we don't get that drunk. What's a big deal? And and why why can't we go out and do all these things? And why can't we? And all of a sudden, your life has changed. You don't want that anymore. You, he's kind of like, I, I want kind of want to be that that's, that keeps leading me down the wrong path, and I kind of want to be set free from that. I'm moving forward in this direction. Now they're hating you because that, but then all of a sudden you walk into a place and they're not accepting you because you smell a little bit of like alcohol. Are you kidding me? There's Saul. That's where Saul's at. Then a man named Barnabas shows up in the picture. And this next thought reminds us that we all need a Barnabas in our life. You need a Barnabas. Saul needed help. He needed someone to believe in him, to share that his testimony was true. And there are times in our lives where we all need a Barnabas who steps up to bring encouragement into our lives and brings encouragement into other people. Someone who is willing to vouch for us, to share that God is doing a new thing in this person's life. He's working in us. And Barnabas had saw the fruit of Saul. He saw how Saul was preaching in the synagogues. That he, was, that he, he didn't care about his own life. He was just out there proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. It was a testimony of Barnabas that opened the door for Saul to be connected to the body of Christ. To the body of believers. Even the apostles didn't trust to trust Saul at first until Barnabas came up and said, hey, you know what? His story is true. His testimony is real. And as I read Saul's story, I see how God had, God's hand orchestrated the opportunities of Saul's life. He brought Ananias to Saul when he needed healing and empowerment. He brought Barnabas when Saul needed witness to defend his testimony. And it should bring us all a great confidence in our lives that God is for you and he's not against you. And he will bring the right people into your life to help you and to speak into your life and to speak into other people's lives. To bring encouragement to us. And it's why we need the fellowship of believers. It's why we need the body of Christ. It's why God never designed you to be isolated by yourself and alone. That's the worst thing that COVID did for us. It isolated us. It set us apart. Should never have done that. Even if we were physically going to be able to meet, we should continue to be the church together, calling one another, loving on one another. And we need to get back to being the church. I'm telling you right now, it's the calling of God on our lives. We strengthen one another when we join together for the same purpose. It brings confidence knowing that God is working on our behalf. It should remind us that each one of us need a Barnabas in our life. Do you have Barnabas? Do you have someone encouraging you? That's the first step. The second step I'd ask you is this. Are you a Barnabas? 
Who are you encouraging? Who are you lifting up? See, it's not just all about me. What difference am I making in someone else's life? Am I Ananias? Am I hearing from the word of God? If I'm hearing from the Lord, hey, go over and pray for that person. They need just a, they just need a touch of my spirit. Don't be afraid, just go. Don't be afraid that they're, 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 they're you know, down at the street and trying to solicit men or just go. I'm calling you to go. Go pray for that person. See, we need to get uncomfortable in a good way of ourselves and get comfortable with God. We need, I need to get uncomfortable with who Tom is when it means that I'm in my flesh. And I need to step in the comfort of who Christ is in me and say, yeah, I will go. See, Ananias, he, he, he uh, first, uh, but then he went. Barnabas, he just went, he, he went after Saul. He said, no, no, this guy's good. This guy, we need to be Saul's. We need to be, Anna, or need to be Paul, uh, Barnabas's. We need to be Ananias's. We need to speak into people's lives. I want to remind you today, you have been set free. You are chosen and you have a purpose. Now let's go fulfill that purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word is powerful, it is effective, it changes lives. I invite the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place today, right now. As we come to a conclusion for today's message, God, I pray that things that I can't do or the worship team can't do, only that you can do. Lord God, that I release this power of your spirit in the lives of people, even those who are watching us online right now. For those who have felt the chains on them, they felt like they've been bound. And God, you want to set them free. And they just don't have the faith to step out and step out. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give them that faith, the faith of a child, to just believe and to follow and to choose. God, it's a reminder that, Lord God, you chose us, we didn't choose you. And for those today, God, for, that, for those who that's been a new declaration in their life, not realizing that you've chosen them, I pray that they would step out in faith. If you're here today, head bows, eyes closed. And you need to make that declaration of faith, saying, yeah, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you're here in the audience. I don't care where you're at. Just raise your hand real high. Because I want to say a prayer over you today in the name of Jesus Christ. That you'll be, the chains will fall, and you'll make a choice to follow after Jesus today. If you're watching us online, man, I encourage you, take the step of faith. Anyone here today in the audience right now, make that step, make that declaration. Let's say this prayer together. If you're watching us online, I want you to say this prayer with us together. I don't do this every Sunday. I just feel it. I just do it when I feel like the Spirit of God's asking me to do it. It should be every Sunday. But there are special times where I believe God is moving in a way that for salvation. So say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I choose you today because you chose me. I follow after you in every area of my life. Give me the power of your spirit. Set me free from sin. Forgive me of my sins. I choose you today. 
in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God good? I leave you with this word before I come back up. We're going to worship for a second, and then we're going to come back up. I want to pray over you today. But I leave you with this word. Every week, I try to leave something with us, even for myself, where I'm going to be challenged. And this week, I want you to find out who your Barnabas is. Recognize it needs to be a person that's filled with the Spirit of God. (laughs) Don't have any Barnabases that aren't filled with the Spirit of God. Find your Barnabas. And then the second thing I want you to do this week, who can you be a Barnabas to? God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.